Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, everyone. It's Lainey. Welcome back to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm very excited to have another episode of Editors Unedited for you this week. We welcome a new editor to the podcast. I'm very excited, Emma Cooper, who is this an editor at Harper Wave. Um, hi, Emma. Hi, Lainey. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Um, I am so happy to introduce you today to Yana Tallinn-Hicks, who is the author of Hot and Unbothered, How to Think About, Talk About, and Have the Sex You Really Want. Uh, Yana is a sex therapist specializing in LGBTQ plus kinky and non-monogamous relationships. She's also a consent, sex, and sexuality columnist and editor. Um, whether written or with clients, her work centers around the belief that pleasure-positive and consent-based sex education can positively impact our lives in the world. Hi, Yana. Hi. <laughs> thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, um, thanks for having I, me. Of course. Um, I was told um, you had a special uh, story about an experience you had um, with your local library. So I'd love if mm -hmm. we could start off there. Yeah, well, first of all, I am a proud library card holder to this day. And I bring my kid to the library once a week. And he loves it. But anywho, people are always asking me, like, how did I get my start in sex education? And like, basically, like, how did I get this way? <laughs> <laughs> this way. So I mean, I mean depend, you could phrase that question a lot of ways, but I think most people are wondering, like, how did I get so comfortable talking about sex? Like, why is this something that I'm interested in? Like, how do I get more confident? Whatever, you know, all this stuff the book is about. So I have this, when I was thinking about library experiences, I have this memory of, I lived in a very small town. I could walk to the library from my house and my mom would take me to the library all the time. And I was obsessed with this cartoon, like it must have been on VHS, that was called How Our Babies Made. And it was like this cartoon depiction of like, you know, there's like little cartoon sperm and there's like a little cartoon egg and they like get fertilized and then they're like, whatever. I don't know how that cartoon would hold up today. I would love <laughs> to see it. <laughs> but I rented that all the time. And my mom would just let me like, she was like, you know what, man, like this is eight, it was made for my age. It was age appropriate. And she's like, you want to watch this cartoon about how babies are made a million times? I got no shame. That librarian was probably like, <laughs> what is happening? But that's my um, story. I love that. I feel like that <laughs> says a lot about, you know, your sort of philosophy, um, you know, and on that note, I know, I, I know, I guess like at a very young age, you know, your journey already started into being, you know, a sex educator, uh -huh. but I'd love to hear more about, you know, specifically like, you know, how you got started in the field and also like what inspired you to, you know, write this book. 
my agent, by the time she approached me, you know, she found my writing online and she was like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? I was like, well, yeah, since I was like seven, I would like write all kinds of books. Um, and when I started writing about sex and sexuality, I was working at a sex toy shop called Good Vibrations in San Francisco. They're quite famous for being like the, the first feminist sex toy shop. And I was also interning for a magazine called Curve Magazine at the same time. So I just sort of ended up writing about what was around me. Um, and obviously I had an organic interest already. That's why I ended up working at the sex toy shop. But then I got, I ended up writing a sex column and I had written the sex column for a long time. And so by the time Mary was like, have you ever thought about writing a book? I'm like, well, of course, like, don't be <laughs> silly. Like, <laughs> how could I not write a book? Um, but more organically, you know, I was a teenager raised pre-Google, pre-smartphones. We didn't have a lot of information about sex and sexuality that was helpful or accurate or interesting. And I also was in a lot of school environments that didn't talk about it at all. And so I was like, okay, it seems like everyone's obsessed with this sex situation. And also we're all just sort of like fumbling around in the dark, like figuratively and literally like what is happening. And I just got, I don't know, I was just interested. And I talked to all my friends about it a lot and openly, um, you know, I would drag us all to the STI clinic and get tested and get free condoms. And I just, yeah. I no, I love that. And I love that, you know, I, I think something that you talk about a lot in the book is like in the US, you know, sex education that's like accurate and like shame-free and pleasure forward is so hard to come by. And it also, you know, differs like from where you live. And I think, you know, like writing a book is something to really democratize it. Cause you know, it, you're able to actually hold something in your hands and like have that sex education that you, you know, did not, you know, a lot of it is like word of mouth. Um, and it's great to, you know, get expert, you know, advice and information. Yeah. And I, and I think something that libraries are really amazing at is making information accessible to people. And as a therapist, like it's not cheap to sit down with me for an hour. You can go pick up a book at your library or buy the book yourself for far more economical means and get all of this information. That's like years and years and years of somebody's expertise and the way that I tried to lay the book out was very much along the arc of how I might work with a client or how I might teach a workshop, because I do think it's important that we have like a variety of access points for people. And essentially, like I wrote the book that I wanted to have when I was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And I think something um, that is really special about this book is like it's not just advice, like there are, you know, these worksheets and, you know, you can sort of role play these conversations that are more difficult. Um, I mean, I think it's a, a really welcome resource and something you can do, you know, again and again, as you, you know, age and you're, you're in different types of relationships. Mm -hmm. um, well, one thing I, I, I wanted to sort of start off with is, you know, this amazing praise you received from Jiz Lee, who's the editor of Coming Out Like a Porn Star, which I feel like says so much about the book and your philosophy. Um, you know, they say the foundations of consent and communication in Hot and Unbothered extend beyond great sex. They're the tools to en that enhance our humanity. Imagine a world built on the core principles of consent, respect, boundaries, and accountability. Um, I know you talk a lot about how, you know, sex, sex information in terms of sexual health is important, but I'd love 
to hear more about, you know, why you've decided to emphasize, you know, communication in the book and why, you know, these principles are so important both in and outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, Jisley is awesome. I (laughs) love their work and I met Jisley back in San Francisco when I was getting my start in sex ed and we had a lot of community overlap and they've been so supportive, like ever since, like they like buy my merch, they read my book, like cover to cover. They didn't just like phone in a blurb. They actually really dove into it, which is so amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really important. Like if we think about like, what is the great equalizer when it comes to sex and relationships, I think it's communication. And I think communication can look like a bunch of different things. And in the book, I talk about like how to untangle your own barriers to communicating honestly about what you want in bed. Then there's also information about how to receive what your partner is trying to communicate to you about this. Then there's information about how to navigate communication together. And like, if we looked at the theme of how we're taught how to talk about sex and how we're taught not to talk about sex and all of these different messages we get about sex, like there's a lot to untangle there. And if we can iron out a lot of it, we can figure it out. And like, you essentially can do anything in your sex life. I like really do believe that, but I think there are all of these barriers that we don't have a lot of information on how to navigate them or why they're there. Or like, do we even need them? Why are we holding on to these things? Like in my office with couples so often, like for a sec for our second session with couples, I split them up and I see them individually just one time. So I can get a sense of like who they are outside of their relational system run a safety check, give them a chance to talk a little more openly. And pretty much every time there's this very, very clear place where they're missing each other. And it's like so obvious from the outside. And I'm like, once you all are able to like address this thing that you're clearly miscommunicating about, this is all going to click into place. And it always does. And I just have to sit and like wait for them to get there. (laughs) (laughs) I give them the tools to sort of like, you know, pave their way to that goal. But I'm like, once you get to this place, you're going to really figure out what the, what the thing is. And it's very satisfying. (laughs) No, I love that. I mean, I think something that you talk, that you sort of try to break down in the book is this idea of like, you know, we have this idea of good sex, which is, you know, a lot of times like seamless and there's absolutely no talking. There are no water Mm -hmm. breaks. There's no questions. There's no awkward fumbling. And I think that's something you really, you know, demystify and you make people feel like it's okay to, you know, pause and take a breather and also just, you know, verbalize like their, their concerns. And I think, you know, you're talking a lot about setting boundaries and, you know, something that's also a big part of this book is receiving a boundary being set, you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of times you know, you're, you're talking and you're working with multiple partners and there's, it's not just, you know, you verbalizing out, you know, it's, it's also coming back to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, working with clients and sort of like, you know, your approach. And I know you work with, you know, a large variety of sort of relationship structures and with, you know, queer individuals as well. Do you feel like there's a different approach you take, or do you see the same issues, you know, that crop up like regardless of the type of relationship? Yeah. So I work with a lot of non-monogamous clients. I think probably like 80% of my caseload are people in some form of non-monogamous relationship or 
they are interested in it and are trying to figure out how to make it work. And I think it is really interesting to look at monogamy and non-monogamy as like a spectrum of relationship style, because so many of the issues are the same where it's like on my Instagram, I'll post these little educational posts about like how to navigate jealousy in a non-monogamous relationship. And every single time monogamous people will be like, I feel like this is helpful no matter what style of relationship you're in. And you're like, well, yeah, because it's all just relating. <laughs> it's like whether there's one of you or 10 of you, we are working on the same stuff. And I think it's almost like a red herring to be like, oh, this relationship is hard because it's non-monogamous. And it's like, no, this relationship is hard because being a human being relating to people is hard. And like there's plenty of monogamous relationships that are also hard. So it's like, Sometimes the structure is the issue, but usually it's some other sort of like communication issue. And for the book, I felt like it was important to, I feel like oftentimes we get books that are either about queer mm -hmm. sex or they're about straight sex, or they're about monogamy or they're about non-monogamy. And it's setting up this like false divide. I feel a lot more satisfied blending everybody in together and being like, Hey, look at this all of the stuff we're talking about impacts all of us. So like in the book, like I use like um, kind of like composite client examples of people I've worked with over the years. And you'll hear like different pronouns and like different relationship structures and like different orientations and different like whatever kinks and stuff. And it's all blended in. It's not like, oh, here's the chapter for all the freaks. And the rest <laughs> of the book is for everyone that's regular. Like, I just like, don't think that's helpful. And I think it's really alienating. So I feel like I achieved that. I'm sure readers will tell me if I didn't. And that's all <laughs> I think. Helpful. I personally think you did. And I think that's <laughs> something that, um, you know, really attracted me to the book. You know, as you said, like everything is really blended. Everything feels like all the relationship structures is feel very like normalized and very accepted. And again, like very free of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I know that you talked about, um, you know, being a kid and, and, you know, watching this cartoon over and over again, but, you know, something, you know, I'd love to hear from you is, is, you know, how you sort of burst through all of these sort of societal, um, you know, <laughs> notions of shame about sex that sort of get thrust onto us. You know, you talk about that in, in the introduction, how it's like so much of our understanding of sex is revolves around fear, you know, fear of getting an STI or getting pregnant or of, you know, community shame or judgment. And, um, you know, I just love to hear how you sort of internally work to break down, you know, those barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think about this a lot because I just live in my own fishbowl. And I think like part of like, you know, I'm in my own body and I'm in my own mind and I have my own experiences. And part of the process of writing this book, I was like, I don't know. I feel like everybody already knows this stuff. Like who like needs this book? And my partner's like, dude, like people don't live your reality where like you go to work and you talk to people openly about sex all day, every day. So you hear a variety of experiences, which is like really validating to you as a person. Like you hear everybody's stuff a lot of people don't hear or talk about this stuff. And so there's all of this like mythology around like, oh, am I bad if I like this? Or am I broken if I think this way? Like blah, blah, blah. And I have this like total privilege to be 
steeped in this, you know, I've been writing the column for over 10 years. So it's like every single week I have people talking to me openly about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they do. Like, it's all very normal to me. And when I worked in the sex toy shop, you know, people would get nervous talking to me about their issue or like what they were looking for. And I was like, listen, a butt plug is like a stapler to me. Like this is, <laughs> this is my office. Like you should make me- um you should make t-shirts that say that. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, this is not a big deal. Like this is just like, you know, what's going on around me. And so I think part of it is that I I can't really remember part of the process, but I also think that at some point I realized in my own sex ed that I really grew up and it's still this way. I grew up in a fear-based sex ed system. And then when I started having really positive sexual experiences through talking to my partners as a teenager, I was like, oh, like this isn't actually that scary if you can just talk it out. And so I was like, why aren't people doing this? Like, I just was like, I don't get this. Like, what is happening? But I think what's interesting right now is that when we talk about the audience for the book, like my audience on Instagram, which I assume will be the audience for the book, like that's kind of my core information I have about who is interested in my work. It's people who like definitely cognitively are like, yes means yes. Consent is important. Pleasure is a human right. Like we have all of these catchphrases that we're like, yep, we're on board with this idea and this concept. But then in our actual lives, we're still human beings that have like attachment stuff, trauma stuff, like nervousness, fear of being abandoned, like all of the ways we're internally wired to be afraid of losing the people we care about. That's all still there. So it's like, how do you navigate those like human components of being a person while also believing that sex can be pleasurable and interesting? How do you kind of connect the theory to the practice? And I think that's what a lot of the book focuses on. And, you know, we talk about that, like evolutionary psychology and attachment and all of that fun therapy yeah. dork stuff. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it's like, I think it's just one of those things where the more you talk about it, the more you read about it, the more, you know, comfortable you get with it. And I feel like when you're reading the book, you sort of are able, you know, obviously it's not a bubble, but you sort of you know, you have such this accessible voice and, you know, you are very funny on the page. And Thank so, you. um, so it doesn't feel like this, like fearful thing. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm reading this book about sex. You know, it's just like, you're talking to a friend, you're talking to a therapist and, you know, just working through the issues. Um, well, this book, it, um, you know, it's coming out this August, very exciting August 1st. Um, and obviously you talked about this book, you know, has something for everyone, you know, with the exercises and the worksheets about having these difficult conversations and also, you know, how to explore your own sexuality. But if there's one piece um, of advice or knowledge that you hope readers would take away from this book, you know, what would that be? Um, I think it is I'm trying to answer this briefly, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, there can also be multiple pieces of information. Well, the original inspo for the book was actually this like little paper zine that I made one February, like six years ago. It was like cold and crappy out because I live in Massachusetts. And I ca- I like cut out and like glued this little zine together. And then I got it printed and bound and like sold them to people for 10 bucks. <laughs> and that zine was called Explicit Permission. 
And it was all about like components of sexuality that we have the power to give ourselves permission to explore, but don't. And like, why is that? And I think the, the nugget, and I believe this is like in the conclusion of the book, spoiler alert, is that like, <laughs> you totally have the power to give yourself permission to access these things. You just have to, you have to do it, you know, like nobody is actually stopping you from having these conversations. I love that. Yana, it was so great to chat with you today. And again, very excited about the book. Pre-order if you haven't already. And Dina, thank you again for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. See you next week. Thank you.